Well, when Jesus came to Capernaum, he went to the synagogue and he taught. The gospel says, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So they were astonished at Jesus' authority to preach and also at his power over demons. So today I'll talk about those two things, his authority to preach and his power over demons. Well, first, why did Jesus, Jesus' authority to preach astonish them? Well, imagine if you came here to church and you sat down and I started to preach and I'd said something like, in the scriptures we read that Jesus condemns anger and theft, but I disagree. You guys can steal all you want. You can be as angry as you want. That's fine. Or what if I said, well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, in explaining holy matrimony, that marriage is between one man and one woman, and it's permanent until death, but I say to you, you know, things are complicated. There are other options. What would you think? Your instinct should be maybe one of righteous anger and sorrow for the state of my soul. Uh, you should be tempted to tell your bishop you've got this wayward priest who's, who's uh, causing problems. You might wonder, who does this guy think he is? What authority does he think he has? Well, don't worry. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to be as faithful to God in the church as I can, but my point is the Jewish men who persecuted Jesus because of his teachings probably looked at him like that in the way you'd all look at me as if I started preaching as if I knew better than Jesus and his church. To understand why they would look at him this way, we need to understand a little bit about these Jewish scribes. They preached and wrote not based on their own ideas, but in the ideas of previous scribes and rabbis, who likewise were merely passing on what had been given to them by God through Moses. The Jewish scribes and rabbis had then as their goal to pass on not their own wit, their own wisdom, their own ideas, but to pass on the treasure of divine revelation unchanged. They never claimed to speak on their own authority. In the same way, you know, when we write a research paper for school or something, you're doing your doctoral dissertation or a term paper or whatever, we have to cite our sources. We say, you know, in the words of St. Thomas Aquinas, blah, 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 or as Aristotle argued, you know, and then you would cite him or something to convey our message. But it wasn't always like that with Jesus. Of course, he quoted the Old Testament a lot and different things like that, but he also stood up in the synagogue, as we read in today's gospel, and preached on his own authority without necessarily citing sources outside of himself. Another place we see this is in the Gospel of Matthew, where we hear Jesus say, for example, You have heard that it was said to your ancestors by God through Moses, You shall not kill, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And Jesus says that over and over again. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, does it in all kinds of issues, about divorce and remarriage and things like this, 
You've heard that it was said in the Old Testament by God through Moses, but I say to you. So in other words, Moses said this, but I, Jesus, say something more. Now, if you were a scribe or a rabbi hearing that, you might protest, saying no one should dare claim this authority. You might wonder, who is this guy that thinks he's greater than Moses? Of course, the answer to that is, uh, well, he's Jesus, and he's unique among all the prophets. He's not just another priest or a scribe. Jesus is God himself. He is the prophet that Moses spoke about in our first reading, when he wrote that, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you. To him you shall listen. The Lord said that whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. So obviously this person that's going to come is going to have the authority of God. The Jewish people had been waiting for this prophet to come for centuries. And in Jesus, he finally arrived. Just like Moses said he would, Jesus spoke with authority. And Jesus' words are preserved and presented to every age via his mystical body, the Catholic Church. The gospel message has authority, and it's trustworthy. And our secular world is very astonished at the teachings of the Catholic Church, which really are the teachings of Jesus applied to our day. And thus, the world often rejects these things, much as the scribes and the Pharisees did before the crucifixion, and as the world has always done in all the ages ever since. I mean, how often do we hear people complain that the church or her bishops, they have no right to speak about certain issues on things that are debated in society, like things like abortion, or the definition of marriage, or the relationships between church and state, uh, freedom of religion, and so on. But the truth is, the church, Catholic church, does have authority to speak on all these matters. That authority was given her through the apostles, from Jesus himself, who had that authority because he's God himself. Today, more than ever, we need to fearlessly present that teaching, complete and intact, not compromising it or weakening it, to the world. And we do this under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, under the leadership of our bishop, and, of course, the Pope. So the Catholic Church, then, has real authority to teach, given us by Jesus himself. But in the gospel, we saw that he, had, he did more than just teach with authority. And that brings me to that second point I was going to mention today. What about Jesus' power over demons? When Jesus showed up, his arrival provoked a shocking response, not just from the people that were there, but from an unclean spirit, a demon, that was in one of the people there in the synagogue. The demon cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked the demon, cast it out of the person. So Jesus, astonishingly, had that power. Power over demons. And here's my point. It's important to recognize that Jesus has passed on that power to the Catholic Church as well. And if you're watching a horror film, which I don't really recommend... Uh, used to like them, but they're less and less appealing. <laughs> but uh, if you see a character in one of these horror films that's possessed by a demon, 
who do they always seem to call, except in the Ghostbusters movies, they call the Ghostbusters, but in the rest of the movies, who do they call? They call the Catholic priests, right? And this is one of the things that they often get right, even though they always portray a priest wrong. As soon as a priest walks on screen in a movie, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do that's offensive or disturbing? But they kind of get the point that Catholic priests are empowered by God by virtue of their ordination, the sacrament of holy orders, through the church to deal with these things according to certain rules, of course. And this is why many bishops appoint specific priests within their diocese and they train them to act as diocesan exorcists. We do have one of our priests is appointed as an exorcist in our diocese. We don't tell everyone who it is, so they don't bother him, but sometimes they are needed. Uh, we would refer to refer them, people to them if they're needed. But usually, your local priest can resolve these difficulties. Demons often tempt us to sin, to lead us away from God, because that's always their goal, to get us away from God. And that's why Jesus has given Catholic priests, through the church's sacraments, especially confession, the ability to forgive sin, to apply the merits of the one saving sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to our individual situations here and now, all around the world, right? To undo the work of the demons. Confession has even been called the best exorcism there is. Father Gabriel Amorth, uh, once the chief exorcist in Rome, answered the statement, my pastor claims the best exorcism is confession by saying this. He's right. It is the most direct means to fight Satan because it is the sacrament that tears souls from the demon's grasp, strengthens against sin, unites us more closely to God, and helps conform our souls increasingly to the divine will. I advise frequent confession, possibly weekly, to all victims of evil activities. So sometimes, you know, we think God's left us, that he's not involved, but he hasn't left us. He's still here at work. He still teaches and he acts with real authority and power in his Catholic Church and her ministers. Let us leave here today then, ready to listen to Jesus speaking through his church. Let's strive to learn how the words of Christ apply to every aspect of our world today politics, science, medicine, economics, and so on. And then let us apply Jesus' teachings to our world and spread those teachings. The world will be better off if we do. And let us also appreciate that Jesus' power over evil is still found within the church. Let's make use of that power, especially through the sacrament of reconciliation, as often as we need to, so that we may be free of the evil influences and remain close to Jesus. Amen.